Welcome to a, a, a Biofit KSP podcast. That was, that was a retro moment. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Spot, Spot Podcast. Um, here with Rem and Sam. And, uh, you know, a whole, a whole lot happened since we last talked. Um, ups and downs, all around, whole tournaments happening. I guess first thing, biggest thing, March Madness. I, I, I really felt bad for your uh, Wolverines, man. Like once livers went down, I was like, oh no. But it looked like Big Ten just was like, hey, we all want to go home early. We're sick of Indianapolis. Been here long enough. The, the Elite Eight's not honestly like I'm just trying to talk myself into this into the season that we just had. But like the Elite Eight is not that bad for like losing livers. Yeah, and then being like a minute away from going to the final four. I feel like that's still a pretty good season. It's not mm-hmm. obviously the season that I wanted. And UCLA's the um, 11th seed, even though they're probably like actually like a legitimate team. And Zhu mm-hmm. was like an actual like real player during the tournament. Yeah. But since they were like 11th seed, it still like stings a little bit that they lost that game. That's, I mean, UCLA that- did go on to almost knock out the um, runner-up. So, I mean, yeah, they, they were and just I, beating your own arrow. And Michigan was ne- Michigan was not going to beat Gonzaga, that's for sure. But yeah, I feel like they had a, they had a couple moments in that game. There was a moment after Zhang like rolled his ankle in the Michigan game where they they went to Dickinson a couple times to like post mm-hmm. up. They went to him like I don't know, like three or four times in a row. And I thought yeah. for a second that Dickinson was going to just like like break through and hit this new level as a player. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't quite happen. It didn't quite happen. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In that like, game, yeah, that was horrible. He didn't feel like he was he was gonna like carry the team, which I didn't. I didn't know if he was gonna be capable of doing anyways throughout the season. That was kind mm-hmm. of my one concern with this team. With is there anybody that's just if they need him to kind of like go up a just like an extra half a level during the tournament? Who's it right, gonna right. be? It was maybe Mike Smith after Livers went down, honestly, just because of the senior guard experience and stuff. But I feel like it had to be Dickinson, and he was close, and it didn't quite happen. Yeah, no, that was that was a tough game. I mean, you know, two point loss. You guys were two of a three eleven from three and fourteen turnovers. So, I mean, when you just like Gonzaga in the uh, championship, you know, if you have a lot of turnovers and can't hit your threes, you're not you're not going to win any. Almost no basketball game, especially college. So, and they had the yeah, they had the same problem Gonzaga had, where they only play like five guys. So mm-hmm. if it goes bad, there's like no mm-hmm. counter moves. Like mm-hmm. Michigan has no depth, so there's just nothing that they can do to use to counter what UCLA has. And Gonzaga couldn't do it against Baylor either. They just you have, yeah. have your five guys, and if it goes bad. It goes bad because you have nothing else that you can do. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was that was crazy. Um, I mean, obviously Kansas was knocked out early. I wasn't. I wasn't really surprised. I mean, you just got destroyed by Mobley. So, I mean, that's fine. But um, yeah. No. Are you surprised with how the Big Ten played? I mean, you guys had the best of it, but like, holy moly! I didn't think. I thought Illinois could win a couple games here or there. I mean, that yeah. Was me too. Fun. I had picked them to win. Oh, it's tough. Um, it always de- feels like there's like a lack of like, especially this year, but I was thinking about years past too. There's just always a lack of like 
the high end NBA level prospect guys that come out of the Big Ten mm-hmm. that can just like shine in the tournament. Like that's yeah. one of the reasons that I picked Illinois was because I was betting on the AO Kofi uh, mm-hmm. Coburn yeah, combo. Like yeah. But like, if you just like are going through the teams, like who like the high end playmakers on each team are, like Ohio State, it's like Dwayne Washington, and Ohio mm-hmm. State has lo- lost like four of six or something. They were on kind of like a low key, like a real bad losing losing streak entering the tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, it gave me pause to pick them to go to like the the elite eight. Uh, obviously, I didn't think they were losing the first round, but you know, Ohio yeah. State, Michigan were the other two, like. Uh, Iowa, even though they have guards, though, like, you know, I just watching guards against the good teams this year, it felt limited to like what his upside could be, even though he mm-hmm. was like national player of the year. Yeah. But they just, yeah, they don't have the, honestly, they just don't have like the Jalen Suggs types in the conference or mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham or even like, like Davion Mitchell. Like they've always just kind of never really had that guy. Yeah, no, it's 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 been um, it was a rough stretch for them. I kind of felt like they were kind of propping each other up, like that whole um, SEC thing. Except no one actually, it was them actually propping each other up. Where you know they play, keep playing each other with all these high seeds, and then you know, oh, because you know you have Illinois ranked, you know, two in the nation or three, it wouldn't be two, three, and then you have Michigan at like five, and then. Um, some other teams further down, and then you beat them. And it, it, it seemed like they were just helping each other's ranking throughout the season. Um, and they may have been a little bit overrated. Um, it's kind of weird that besides your team, Rutgers was probably the next best, uh, had the next closest chance to making it uh, further in the round. I mean, I really thought Illinois and Iowa could be a little bit better, but, you know, if, if, you, got, if you don't have any other options, and I mean, Illinois – in the I'd seen in the uh, conference tournament was kind of sneaky, like doesn't really know what to do in like five minutes left. You're down by five because there were just too many times I watched where they give the ball to Ao and and he would just pass it to a shooting guard. Like he would he would run down the clock like 18 seconds and then it'd be 10 seconds left and he just pass it to a shooting guard and you know just run around and it was like you know you guys don't really have an offense. It's just Try to get out in transition and see what you can get. So, um, also a quick note about national players of the year. They don't usually end up doing too well in uh, the NBA. I mean, looking at the last couple winners, I know Kansas, we had um, one or two winners as of late. I'm pulling up the list right now. So, we had Garza, and there was Obi Toppin, and then Zion, who went crazy. But then there's, I mean, more often than not, they, you know, there are average guys like Jalen Brunson, he's okay, like Frank Mason Jr., Buddy Heels, Frank Kaminsky, Doug McDermott, Trey Burke. And once in a while, you have great players like, you know, Anthony Davis and Zion. But, you know, National Player of the Year isn't too big of a factor. I mean, it's, it's more, um, I mean, it definitely means you are an NBA player, but I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, you'd be like a superstar. It isn't a sure lock. It's more like a one out of 10 chance. So um, I felt, yeah, I mean, Iowa, they, they definitely should have just played better. I mean, there's, there's just no reason that they're how they flopped uh, during the tournament. So um, any any surprise teams? Do you think? I, I didn't see that one coming. I'm not going to lie. 
I didn't watch most of the past games I can, with I, UCLA. I can tell you my surprise team is was uh was Baylor, honestly. Baylor, all right. Like I get that I get that obviously now that they are the best team in the country mm-hmm. and that because they were ranked number two and they beat the number one team, that means clearly that they were the number one team for the whole year, I guess. But I'm still just having a hard time believing that that's I'm still just having a hard time believing that that's the game we got. I mean, I, you can tell so fast with these games. It'll, it can just be like 23 to 9. You can just watch the physicality of Baylor and Gonzaga just struggle to do anything against them. And you're just like, oh, yeah, this game's over. There's no way they're coming back. Not only are they not getting any good looks, but anytime they have like a half decent defensive possession, like mm-hmm. Baylor just gets the offensive rebound and just killed any good momentum that Gonzaga had from getting a stop. Yeah, like you need to see that stuff early and just go, oh yeah, there's like there's there's no way they're gonna come back. But I just I just didn't ex- expect like the size and the the shot creating skills and all this all the stuff that I thought Gonzaga was gonna be special at. All the reasons I was picking them was like they have all these guys that can score. They have you know NBA guy like Suggs that can carry the team, but they also have like the college guys like Kispert and Timmy and mm-hmm. uh, Nemard and all, you know, all the other guys in the roster. Yeah. So you just have this collection of shot creating high end, smart basketball players. And I just didn't, ex- I didn't expect Baylor to just be better at all that stuff. And, get back with us and be bigger and more athletic and like swallow them up on defense as well. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Baylor is their effort. I mean, they just, they, they, there. I think there was one play. I can't remember what guard he was, and he ran. He, he was, he was trying to close out on, ran out of bounds, went behind, like I think went behind the scorer's table because of his momentum. Came back in bounds and like kept running, was able to contest the shot, and they got the rebound. The thing with Baylor is that all year, I mean, they were ranked second. Gonzaga, the main reason why they're above is because they had the perfect, you know, the perfect record. Things like that. I mean, they were playing out of their minds. But Baylor, I mean, against a decent competition in the Big 12, um, was uh, they were the best three-pointing shooting team in the whole year. I don't think we really saw this defense coming, but um, they definitely, uh, I feel like, have been improving over the course of the season. And they showed up. I mean, they, they, they throttled Gonzaga. And the worst part is that, like, after – like halfway through the first, maybe even the first two minutes when they're up 11-1, you're like, I mean, is it over this quickly? Um, but looking at that team, uh, I mean, it, they they're just they were just more physical. They were they were built to survive this long playoff run, and I think Gonzaga was worn out. I I mean they they after that win, you know, um, I I don't know if this this phrase is definitely not original, but. Um, Gonzaga had their Super Bowl in the last uh, in the last round. I mean, they put so much effort and heart into that um, game against UCLA that I just felt like they were emotionally worn out. I mean, even if they weren't, they were probably going to still get throttled. And the switching, the defense, it was it, Baylor. They just they knew what they wanted to do, and they just didn't stop. Even with foul trouble, they continued to be aggressive. Um, and on the other side, I mean, Jalen Suggs was kind of only the person, only person doing stuff, so. and even he was like a little hesitant about things. And you know, it was—I I don't think it was too surprising. Um, if you had seen like the Houston blowout, I mean, that was that was bad. After watching 
I mean, I, I had after watching the Gonzaga game, and mind you, we'll get into Jalen Suggs, and man, do I love his um, game right now. But I, I knew that they were going to lose. I, I After the huge game after UCLA, I'm like, that was a great game. But I looked at my dad, and I was like, yeah, they're losing against Baylor because if they're struggling against one good, like, ISO score and a couple of, like, decent guys, and they're going against the best three-point shooting in the team, three-point shooting nation in the team, and, like, an aggressive defensive team that constantly and, – and the worst part is that Gonzaga's defense, they how they start off is they uh, double-team whoever's on the ball, even if they are on the strong side. Well, the problem with that is that they leave wide open someone else, and, and then that other person gets a wide-open look. And, and they kept doing that, and they did – they were able to survive against UCLA doing that, um, even though that, that's the main reason why they kept it close because they kept leaving someone else open. And Baylor kept making them pay. And then in the second half, when they just finally just switched everything and stopped double teaming, then, yeah, then Baylor slowed down. But then Gonzaga just didn't have anything left in the tank. Um, I mean, Kispert wasn't hitting his shots. Uh, Nemhard, I mean, he's not – he's a he's a steady guy, but he's not going to go off crazy. And, you know, Suggs could do all he could. I mean, Timmy's good, but, I mean, he gets pushed around way too often. So, I mean, they, they, Gonzaga had chances in the second half to bring it closer, but I mean, Baylor just wanted it more. They, they're, they were desperate. They needed to win, not wanted. So, I mean, I definitely didn't think it was too surprising, but I mean, I thought the Gonzaga would put a little bit more of a fight. I, I obviously knew about like Butler and like Mitchell before, before the game. Like I, I knew those guys pretty well and kind of knew their game and knew how they would play. The piece that I didn't get and, like, that you kind of just pointed out was uh, they have this guy named, like, T, like, something T. I forget his first name. You're right. Like, on his doubles and stuff, but when they just swing the ball around and that guy's mm-hmm. in the corner, like, he was so good at just being, like, I got the three. I'll take the three. Oh, you're going to close out? Like, I'm just going to drive in. And uh, exactly. he's such, like, a good mid-range shot creator, too. I didn't, I, I didn't see that coming because he could just get in. And then they, like, switched his zone for a while. And they just kept, mm-hmm. like – passing it to the free throw line in the middle of the zone. And he would just be like, okay, like a free throw, I'll take it. And he hits like so many of those shots. So you're right. Like, like using like that, like third guy when you're just yeah. like swinging the ball and kicking it out to the corner. Like the, there was so much better at that than like Gonzaga was. And mm-hmm. also just like the overall, just like, um, I don't know what the right way to put it, but those sort of the way they punched him in the mouth, like defensively, mm-hmm. like right away, like, picking picking him up at half court and also just like all the swiping at the ball like it felt like every time they were just trying to get the ball to timmy like they would either knock the pass away or like poke it out the minute he got it like they were just swiping at everything picking you up at half court like i i don't necessarily agree with all the people that do the is gonzaga and like a tough enough conference like is their competition good enough should we should we dock them for that but it really did seem like like the first time they had to go up against like a legit top team, mm-hmm. like physically, athletically anyways, like whatever you think about UCLA from a talent standpoint, like it is what it is, but just from like an athletic standpoint, like Baylor's on another level from, mm-hmm. from UCLA. And it was like the first time in the tournament that they had to go up against a team like that. And that also had the shot makers too. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't seem ready. But I, you know, I'd seen a couple like big 12 games and yeah, like Baylor's in like these games where they're just, they're having to go shot for shot for guys. I think I mm-hmm. mentioned 
I mentioned a couple podcasts back. They played this game against West Virginia where they were just, the guys were going shot for shot at the end. It was really, it was really like a really fun game. But they're just in those kind of games. Like they're playing Kansas, they're playing Cade. They're mm-hmm. just in these games every night playing against like these just more athletic teams with like really good shot creators. They kind of know how to handle that stuff. I don't know if Gonzaga really knew how to handle it. Exactly. And I mean, they did, they only had two losses on the season, one of them to Kansas. So, you know, a little, a little, uh, hat in our, um, a little feather in our hat. Um, I'm trying to find their only other loss because I know they were, they, but yeah, no, they were, they pretty much beat everyone. I think, yeah, they lost also in the tournament. So, you know, maybe also they were able to have rest because they lost their second game in the tournament. They weren't, they weren't, um, you know, out here playing games and re, um, right up to the big, uh, the big tournament. So, but I mean, Baylor, they were, they were just a smarter team. Um, hearing um, stories out of that uh, team, how they keep trying to improve, I mean, lifting with the football team, stuff like that. But I think that stuff matters. I mean, it's a, it's a D1 uh, university and, you know, just to be an athlete on that team is crazy. Um, and, you know, you're out there lifting with, you know, Baylor football team, which, I mean, they're not, they're not that great of a team, but, uh, you know, just having that, uh, that strength, it really came up big and they just out muscled the other team. I mean, Gonzaga, again, that formula, you know, you're shooting uh, 29% from three um, and you're getting out rebounded on the offensive glass. I mean, there's more than three times more rebounds. And you're turning the ball over, like or have five more turnovers than the other team. I mean, it's 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 going to be a really tough case to be able to um, to win. So not surprising. Um, but Suggs, though, I I I'm telling you, I was I watched that whole UCLA game. Um, I didn't watch the whole. I think I watched half of the first half and then the, all the second half and the overtime. But I'm telling you, I I saw. Number one thing, though, people keep mentioning, like, football tough with Suggs. It's legit. Like, that game, he got beat up. There were two – I think he hurt his leg. Then he got, like, socked in the stomach. And then he was, like, you know, on the sideline, like, holding his hand. Like, it looked like it was out of joint or something. And he still hit the overtime shot. I'm telling you. I, I, I'm right now through the sky with Suggs. I'm, I don't know. I know people still love Kate Cunningham more than him. I'm telling you, Suggs got to – he got to go number one, man. I will say after the final four game, like I remember after Fields had that like awesome game against Clemson mm-hmm. that when we, when we did our pod, we were like, you know, if he's good in the national championship, like when's the talk between like Fields and Lawrence start, but then mm-hmm. he was just wasn't good. And it never happened. Yeah. I thought like low key, like had like, like a real shot. If he was awesome in the title game, mm-hmm. to be like, wait a second. We just watched this guy have the biggest stage two nights in a row. Just do the, be the best player in the country. Like, should we take this guy over Cade? But I mean, fortunately for Cade, it didn't end up happening, but I, do you just make the case, make the case for him over Cade, I guess. Cause um, I think I would I still, still make, be a Cade guy. I, yeah. I mean, I'd take that one, even if they lost, I think it was a Mahomes thing. I think he was, I still think he was the best player on the floor out of the two teams between Gonzaga and Baylor. I mean, there were just some plays. The thing is, is he was getting overwhelmed. Like, his team was getting overwhelmed, and he was still making plays. Like, there were a couple of steals, and, you know, he'd make the game sort of close. 
and he was the only person on their team actually doing anything. Like it was, it was, it was kind of like Gonzaga. It was kind of like doing a ranking between the two play, two teams, their players. Like yeah, Suggs won, and then like the rest of the Baylor roster. But it, I still felt like Suggs was the best player on that team, um, and or the between the two teams in the national championship. And then obviously the semifinal, you know, go um, him on both ends. And it's not just the offense, which. I mean, I think he can work on the shooting. I'm, I mean, and sure, that's an adage that people use, but I think shooting out of everything is one of the things that's most easiest to improve on. I mean, it's, beyond that, um, I think that his uh, passing is on just really good. I think, I think a lot of times with him going to the hoop, he's just kind of scared sometimes to take contact unless he really has to. I mean, there's a couple of times, especially when he's going along the baseline, he'll like go halfway and then cut back and then, you know, kind of pass it around. But I think that in a team where he's not the number one option and he just gets time to improve, I kind of see him as a, I mean, he's not as good as a rebounder, but kind of like an SGA kind of guy um, with better defense. And I mean, he went up and blocked that, uh, who I can't remember which defender that was. Uh, which uh, center that was, but that was a big play. Like they thought, oh, you know, he was kind of licking his fingers like, oh, I got the short guy on me. This is a mismatch. And and Suggs came from behind him. Like that wasn't in front of him. He had jumped like almost over this guy to get from behind him to get a clean block, not get out of bounds with the ball and then make a ridiculous pass. So, I mean, sure, it's one play, but I mean, he had been, he kept improving throughout the year. He got injured a little bit. Um, but I don't think this is just a flash in the sky. He's, he's, he's the sky. I mean, it's crazy potential. And I think with that loss, uh, with Oklahoma state, there was like, Cade wasn't asking for the ball. He wasn't trying to take over and Suggs, he does. He does. I mean, when you need to get it done, also that game, close game against BYU where they were coming back, he takes the ball and he takes the moment. Like, and if you're someone who, you know, you have the first, second pick in the draft, you want someone who, while they're, you know, they, they're willing to pass the ball, not Anthony Edwards, you know, uh, disease where you have to take 20, 30 shots. But when it counts, you know, if he's ready to take over and he can do it on both ends of the floor and he can improve his shooting, I think, I think that the sky's the limit for him. And um, I like Kate. I mean, I, I think Kate is also, I mean, he's not, you can't really miss between the two. But I think that in terms of, like, if you want a two-way player who's going to continue to improve and he's willing to take the moment and instead of deferring in the final moment, you know, and the tweaks he has, you know, they can definitely – are things that are easier to work on than others. I definitely I definitely am going with uh, Suggs out of the two. Oh, you, so you would you, – Suggs is definitely your, your guy then. He's your number one guy? Yes. Yeah, despite yeah, yeah, what yeah. NBA teams say – I, I I don't I'm 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 going with the Zach. I'm definitely going with Suggs. Do you think he's more of the guy you bring in and go, okay, this guy's gonna be the number one offense, he's the number one guy in our offense, he's gonna be the franchise cornerstone. Like everything we do, we're gonna build every move around this guy because this is the guy that's gonna lead our franchise. Or see the we have a couple of young players. We bring him in. Maybe he makes everybody around us better mm. and just kind of elevate the whole group. But maybe he's not like the franchise type guy. Like, yeah, I, I feel like he's more, more of that guy. Yeah. yeah, he's more that guy than he is like the mm-hmm. franchise cornerstone type guy. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that, yeah, with he's more of a Halliburton kind of guy. I mean, he just makes pretty much everyone better. But I think these days, to win a championship or do anything good, you do need, like, a whole bunch of people. I don't I don't think you can do any more, like, franchise, franchise cornerstone. I mean, in terms of you do need a franchise cornerstone. But I think on top of that, you do need complementary players. And sometimes, you know, those are the guys that can make, you know, take you to a whole other level. Um and I mean, with with him, sure. Right now, he might be a complimentary player, but I think one day he can be a cornerstone. And uh, I think he just needs to work on his game. My dream team for him would be OKC. I mean, that would be that would be crazy. Him with SGA, Lou Dort. Um, that that would be. He he just seems like an OKC kind of guy. Um, a hard worker, you know, gonna win more games than you think, and just gonna keep improving every year. But uh, chances are he'll go to like some team that doesn't deserve him, but you know, I I think Cade will go number one. Um, but I feel I I I don't know. There's there's some I, I smell some bust potential. I haven't seen any. I look I try to look for like great games by him, but I didn't see anywhere where like they relied on him to do every, everything. Like he he's the only reason why they won that game. The one difference for me, anyways, between Cade and Suggs is I don't know if Suggs can, like, bend the game to fit his play style. Like, I don't know if he's controlling the pace of the game, the flow, like, you know, when his team's getting shot. Like, I don't I don't know if he can just, like, take the, re- the TV remote for the game and just control it at his pace. Like, hit rewind, fast forward, pause play, whenever he wants. I think, I can, I think Cade can do that. Like, I, 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 at the end of some of these tournament games, even though he wasn't really great and it honestly just looked like he was ready to get ready for the NBA draft season. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the games, the way he would just get the ball, slow the game down, you know, work the pick and roll, get a foul. Like, it just, I don't, I wouldn't say he, like, played exactly like this player, but at least he has, like, a lot of the same, like, moves that this player uses. Like, mm-hmm. to me, he seems like a Tatum-esque type player. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the guy that I I get the vibe yeah. from watching him. Like if he just bought like the play style in two K, like he has the the Tatum play style, and I really <laughs> I really enjoy that. But the uh, yeah, the way Tate can just like control the game, I don't know if Suggs can do that necessarily. But I um I I do agree with most everything you said about him, so I'm not knocking him. I would I would still have him as my number two guy. Mm-hmm. But I just think that little difference between him and K and like the size and stuff too. I try not to get too caught up in that because I'd rather have the good player than the bigger player. Yeah. But even the the size differential, you know, it's a little thing. But um, here's the the team with the number one pick right now. So Minnesota, we said Kate's going to go number one. Um, mm-hmm. So number two right now, Houston. If Jalen Suggs went to Houston, mm. do you like that for your guy? Christian Wood. You put him with Christian Wood. Maybe. Um, I think Houston's honestly dumpster fire right now. I mean, I think, aren't they on a 22 game losing streak or something? Like, they're going to thank for keeping their pick. So they're going to, they're going to be them, uh, Minnesota, and uh, one other team. Oh, they won a game. Yeah, no, they were on a huge losing streak just, um, just recently. But yeah, no, um, I mean, Houston would be interesting. Um, you said Minnesota, Houston, and then who else? Detroit three, 
Magic four, Cleveland five. Yeah, Magic right just can't wait to take Mobley. So, so. <laughs> yeah, he's a Magic. He's. I was watching that team and wondering if it was a good Suggs team the other day. That's kind of like right now the, the team that I don't necessarily enjoy watching, but it's definitely the weird team that I'm like keeping a close eye on, mm-hmm. especially after the trade deadline and like watching all these young pieces together, like Carter and RJ Hampton. Yeah, wondering. I don't know if Suggs would be a, a good fit for that team because I was thinking about a team like that where you're like, you don't really have any like, like star young talent. You have like a nice couple of good pieces. Like if you put, if you just put Suggs in there, like mm-hmm. is that a good team? Like he's obviously Not a good really. player. You want to have him, but is he the kind of guy that yeah. like comes in and like immediately turns the team around? I still, I still, I guess I don't know. I'm going to just have to watch more and think about it. I think Detroit. I feel, like. Yeah, I think Detroit is the big team that people want him to go to. Um, I, I think Killian Hayes got injured, so he's also another guy like Jalen Suggs who's like, you know. I think both of those guys, they don't they don't go looking for their own shot, but they'll just get it. Like, you know, they'll just, you know, you'll look down and be like, oh, they have, you know, 20 points. Like, how did they get that? And it's just because they don't necessarily try to force, like you mentioned, they don't bend the offense to their will. But I think that they just find a way to score within the flow of their offenses. And, I mean, obviously you haven't seen that at an NBA level. But I think if you have guys who can, you know, fit in almost any system, I think that can help more than having a guy like, you know, Anthony Edwards who needs to take, you know, almost the – top five, you know, number of shots in the NBA for any player to get, to get your points up because, you know, just being an efficient scorer um, and eventually once you are able to handle that workload, I think Suggs will be able to. So I think, I think Kay Cunningham is definitely the better, I think between the two is the better player right now, but I think Suggs' upside is pretty high. And I definitely can't wait to see if, if he can, um, if he can continue to improve because it'll be, It'll be a little. It'll be a wild ride if if he can definitely become a solid three point shooter. Um, but speaking of the Magic, and they decided to go on a garage sale to get everything. Everything must go. <laughs> so it looks like they got rid of pretty much all their decent players. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think they had a chance? Um, I kind of wanted to see them with a healthy Jonathan Isaac. For what? I, I, John Isaac, decent defender. I don't know. They could. They always that sneaky team. I they, John Isaac just kept getting injured, man. Kind of believed in them. I'm 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 very happy with this because like I've never been a fan of this this Magic team. Anyways, like they're just mm-hmm. they're kind of they're kind of boring and like if they get the eighth seed and then you have to watch them in the playoffs, it's kind of like a bummer. Yeah. But I mean, I told you, I just told you, like, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my weird team that I'm following right now. All right. Because I feel like, I feel like you can tell like real quick if like Wendell Carter is going to be a different player, which you trade for him and then you're like, oh, that's actually kind of a decent piece. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you, you move Booch, big contract, like you still get the young piece back and then you watch, right. go, oh wait, yeah, he's been the same player for three mm-hmm. years and he's not, Yeah, he's definitely not going to like get a ton better. But I yeah. mean, I still like the trade, like they, they got the picks and they got, at least they got something like Wendell Carter is at least something. Mm-hmm. So. I, the RJ Hansen piece is the one that's interesting to me. Like I, like he's not like super talented right now. Exactly. They played, they played the nuggets the other night, which was like mm-hmm. real quick Aaron Gordon revenge game. We can talk about the nuggets in a second, but like, 
Yeah, no, I'm using nuggets right now. I'm high on the nuggets. I I agree with you. I agree with you. But, yeah, he looked really raw in that game. So, um, let's just talk about the nuggets because I don't have a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm I'm not going to dig in on the magic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched any magic basketball since since the trade deadline. Also, I didn't realize I was the Spurs hat looks. Pretty nice, but yeah, no, I yeah, I like a lot of the colors. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I, I haven't watched any spirit, uh, uh, Magic basketball since the deadline, but I have watched a lot of Denver because I Michael agree Porter. With you. I agree with you. Yeah, because because Michael Porter, you know, that's my man. Um, with Gordon now being a great cutter, taking a lot of defenders, and they they just right now like with Jokic, they just keep passing the ball to each other, and it, they'll just get to score it. And teams are just like the defenders are switching back and forth, and they're they're exasperated because they're like, oh no, do we cover Jokic? You know, one of the best scorers in the league right now. You know, one of the smartest ones at least, and or do we cover Gordon? You know, a uh, great dunker and he's who can also you know shoot it from outside and you're like oh no there's you know michael porter on the corner you know another ridiculously tall guy who can you know for for how good he can shoot and can rebound as well and then jamal murray he's in and out right now but wait till he starts going off so i think they definitely found uh their guy who is you know the missing piece after they lost jeremy grant and tory craig and stuff like that so We'll have to see. I mean, I have seen some concerns with, you know, their guard play on defense and things like that, but I think they'll be fine. Um, I mean, they'll just have to outscore most teams. Defense isn't their calling card. But I think that the matchup now with Gordon, you know, I I definitely agree with your notes. He's definitely better than Millsap Um, going forward. They're they're a team that, I mean, if I have them in a series against – you know, the Clippers straight up, like even right now healthy, or the Lakers and 80s not 100%, LeBron's kind of woozy, you know. Who knows? They, they could definitely, and, you know, any other team in the league, you know, it definitely, except the Nets, you know, that, that'd still be. Even then, maybe, who knows? At that point, it's the finals. But, I mean, I definitely could see the Nuggets as a finals contender now. So this is Michael Porter Jr. last 20 games. He's 20 points a game, nine rebounds, 52% from three, 59% from the field, almost 60% from the field. Jamal Murray, like the last 25 games has been, let me see. I haven't, I haven't written down here. Yeah. I think he was out last game. Yeah. He, uh, so he missed the game February 12th, Mm -hmm. came back, um, played two games, didn't play like super well, but after the, the, the two rough games, he's, so the last 25 games he's played, he's 24 points, five assists, a steal and a half a game, and he's uh, 50, 46, 93 shooting splits, almost identical to what he was doing again in the in that awesome playoff run he had for he ascended to a whole new level. And we were talking about Jamal Murray, yeah, that the best guards in the league. Like mm-hmm. he's basically been playing like that guy recently, like mm-hmm. the last the last couple weeks. So now, so you have this Murray ascending piece. You have this Porter Jr. who earlier in the season I was like I had I was I was like banking a segment where you were gonna to explain to me why Michael Porter Jr. is not good enough already. Like if he was just gonna to continue to be the same guy. But he's gone up another level. He's exactly. at twenty points in games now. And then you bring in this Gordon piece who's like 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 weirdest con- like just guy the guys that you can put with Jokic and make work now is like insane because all of these other superstars just like 
We need shooting, defense, spread the floor, mm-hmm. give him space, and then he's going to create for everybody else. Jokic, you can bring in Gordon, who honestly is at his best when he's not really spacing the floor. He's at his best when he's like, like dribble handoff, cutting mm-hmm. behind Jokic, coming from the corner and like cutting across, you know, getting yourself under the basket. He gets in the pass, he can just turn around and like lay it. Like all these little cuts and stuff and the way that they can use him. Because mm-hmm. Jokic is such a good passer and mm-hmm. normally your center, you don't have to pull him out to the top of the key to make, you know, to make mm-hmm. plays and just read the whole defense and see everything. Mm-hmm. But you can do that with Jokic. It's like, it's insane. Honestly, like one of the strong, the strong pieces of the, the Jokic MVV candidacy is mm-hmm. if Aaron Gordon just looks amazing and then like how many guys in the, in the league can you just like put this guy with and then just, exactly. he just like immediately goes up like three levels. And now they have like four guys that might be like, you know, 16 to 20 point a game scores for them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously Murray and Jokic are going to score more than that, but like, yeah, you had the, the Porter junior Gordon combo where you can, mm-hmm. you have this third and fourth guy who could, you know, get you a, they can get you 20 points a night if you have to. I think, I think the Nuggets, right? Well, I'm not going to say they're, I'm not going to say they're my favorite team in the West because oh. we did watch a real important fun, a uh, real important Suns uh, jazz game last night. That's but, uh, true. That's true. That's my important if favorite I go, team. I'll tell you that. If, I'll tell you uh, that. that my <laughs> if we went just who are the single best like starting five that we could put out in the Western Conference or just mm-hmm. closing fives or whatever you want to do, like the four man combo of Yoke. Murray, Porter, Porter Jr., and Gordon, and then just like, you know, if they go, even if they go with like Will Barton, yeah, yes, somebody like that. Uh, Tory Craig's on your sons, I think, but uh, if okay. even if they just go with somebody like that, like I really like the upside of that team. Outside of the defense, the defense from Jokic and Murray is what it is, but everything yeah. else, I like, I like. Yeah, no, I think people were uh, kind of hating on Michael Porter way too early. But he was injured, you know, a lot his first couple uh, seasons. And then now he's actually able to play a couple games and start to adjust to the best league in the, in the world. Like, you know, he has to go against legit guys every single night. And I think people are hating on him because it's like, hey, buddy, you know, he just barely started playing. And now it's already like, oh, Michael Porter, a bust. And he's just incredibly long. He, he has the tangibles, which – you know, there's stuff that stuff you just can't give a guy. Let me see here is how many games he has been playing. But yeah, no, with that team, the I think one thing you'll know, one thing if you're you know actually watching these games that you'll notice is Jokic when he's doing these dribble hands offs with um, with uh, whoever it is, he's facing the guy. <laughs> like like this isn't LeBron where he's you know kind of pretending to shoot. You know that whole. Um, that one dribble, uh, that one pass that like keeps showing up on Instagram where he pretends to pass it to, I think it was uh, Shetty Osman or someone. I can't remember if that was the cap where he's like pretends to pass it one way and then passes the other. But like, it's not to that level, but Jokic, like he'll get the pass. He'll keep facing the guy he'll pass to. And then he'll just somehow get the ball to him when he knows that the defender knows that his, the other player knows that it's going to him while, and it's while in stride to the basket. And I think that's something that can't be underrated that, you know, there's, there's like pretty much maybe three other guys in the league who can ever do that because that, that's just crazy, you know? So, um, and I mean, Porter, he was uh, looking at, looking at the game logs here. 
Uh, looks like he, oh my goodness, the computer, of course, now is being slow. The thing with, he was the injured. Thing with, oh, the thing with Porter where uh, uh, it seemed like what he had to adjust to was like obviously the league, but like he had yeah. to adjust to just be the being in the guy in the corner. Like he was just never the guy in the corner for his whole career. He was the guy at the top that the team was always relying to create on. Exactly. It, like being the guy in the corner where it's like, okay, you're going to shoot this three. He's going to do all the stuff that Teague did for Baylor at the, the mm-hmm. national championship game. But on an NBA level, you know, he's not like breaking exactly. down to go defenses out here. But like, you know, can he create, a, create out of the corner? Can he be the third guy? Can he uh, get the ball? Can he shoot? Like if the, if the defender's there, is he going to close out drive? Like how is he creating out of that stuff? Like all that, all that stuff that you have to do is when you're not the first option, like exactly. that play style. It feels like to me that that's what he had to kind of adjust to doing. And then, you know, he just catch and shoot like, just like, just like stuff like that, where you're just playing differently as a third option compared to when you're playing differently as a first option. And it affects everything, like your mentality on defense, like rebounding, like all that stuff. Like if he's 20, he's almost 20 and 10, like the Mm -hmm. last, the last couple of games with the 50, over 52% from three, which is obviously like an unrealistic expectation to keep that up. But if he's, you know, a 40% consistent knockdown three-point shooter, exactly. it's going to make up for all the, the, the brain freezes he, have on, he has on defense anyways. Yeah. And I think the thing with him is that, like, this year he was also injured for a little stretch there. Um, so he has played about, you know, 40, 40. I mean, he was injured a little bit this year, but considering that this is pretty much almost his closest thing to a full season, it's his second season, by the way. Um, and now that he's been able to play consistent games back to back to back, you know, he had, he had a pretty tough, uh, I think in uh, mid February, he had a game where he had zero points, but since then, He's been scoring double digits every single game. Like, and now he's, I mean, like you mentioned, um, since he started scoring double digits in February till now, I mean, he's averaging 19, 8, and, and almost an assist, shooting, you know, crazy 50% from three, um, 50, almost 60% from the field, and uh, 70, 74% from free throw, which, you know, obviously he can work on. But second-year guy, you know, out here um almost shooting 50 percent from three i i I think he's slightly become underrated i I think for a good big contributor on a on a playoff team and considering how long and tall he is and he's starting to reach his potential and now that he's able to play back-to-back games and yeah he has lapses on defense but i mean if, if that's something that definitely can be worked on and if he's able to improve on that considering how big he is it's going to be tough to score over him. So I think, I think Porter is well on his way to being a third option, which is crazy to think that, you know, a second year player is, you know, he's starting to pop off outside of, you know, I think people don't have him nearly on the same level as, you know, Zion or Ja or something like that. But I think he's like one tier below that, you know, where he is able to not necessarily take over, but you put him in the right situation, right passes here and there and he'll succeed, you know, and, I think uh, Denver is the perfect team for him, and we'll we'll see in the playoffs. I think the playoffs people will definitely be like, oh, coming up next, <laughs> you know, why people were sleeping on Michael Porter because you know he's just he's he's starting he's starting to show that he probably might have been um, the best, maybe the best one of the best picks in his draft. So um, 
Uh, I'm high on Porter, high on Gordon, high on Jokic, and um, I think I think Jokic. Um, it, it will be a little hard to give him the MVP award just because of um, how many points he's been averaging. But um, I think I think they'll come around and give it to him um, unless you know. I don't. I mean, especially with KD back, that hurts Harden's um, Harden's case. I mean, there are a couple games that was like, oh, oh, you know, he, he had 40 point triple double again. You know, who knows. But with him, at, um, with him, with Harden or KD back and Joel Embiid, I mean, sure he's he's been great, but I mean, it's not like the team plummeted once he was out. And you know, who knows when when LeBron or even AD is coming back. So and Dame has started to cool off a little bit. His team has lost one or two games, which I mean, you know, if you just have a horrible defense and rely on Dame, that's not that's not a crazy leap to make. But um, speaking of the Trailblazers. Norman Powell, that was definitely a good signing. I have a Blazers fan in my life. And I love Norman Powell. He was up, he was, I was like, bro, you guys won the trade deadline with someone like that. Yeah, I mean, they just they basically turned Gary Trent, who's probably a better defender, but mm-hmm. not as like, good of a shot creator. They basically just flipped him and turned him in. Like, they just add this 20-point score to McCollum and Lillard. Exactly. Yeah, no. I, I, uh, I, I, uh, I will say, I don't know if they, obviously a good thing, but like if they rely too much on him having like good performances, that's kind of concerning. Just like going through the box scores every night and looking at it and it'd be like, oh, Norman Powell played really well tonight. Obviously the Blazers won, but I mean, if, if you have the, you know, the Norman Powell three for 11 night, Mm -hmm. like it, it seems like they lose that game. Like, and obviously we're talking about like three games here or four games or whatever they played, but they like, they're more likely to lose that game. And even if you have Lillard and McCollum, like I wouldn't be like Norman Powell's like the guy that is like the secret ingredient, like the winning. But I love, I love just adding the 20 point score. Like, and we, we've yeah. seen this guy. We know he's, we know he's good in like the playoffs and the finals at like creating a shot. Cause he did it for the Raptors. And then mm-hmm. he's also like gotten better as a scorer since that finals. Exactly. So, and just, so just adding that guy, adding that guy in, I love that move. So he's played the last five games have been um, the ones with uh, uh, the the last five games were he's played five games since joining uh, Portland and he's been averaging 18 and three and one, you know, obviously outside of scoring, you don't expect much of him, but you know, he's been 45% from field 41 from three and 79 from the free throw. So he's been, I mean, he's been a good piece to add. Um, I think, Gary Trent, you know, he was he was also a good player, but I don't think he was quite matured enough as a scorer. And considering where Dame is in his career right now, I think it's kind of like the next two years are bust. And um, that Clippers game, um, that was I think that was a little um, of a like a little microcosm of you know Dame in these playoffs where. I mean, sure, you don't want to take one game and, you know, extrapolate it over his whole career. But there's just too many times where when they go up against a really good, you know, talented team that's, you know, ready to face him, you know, Dame gets locked up and the rest of the team doesn't have a lot of answers. And I think they're going to go into the playoffs again, you know, with that kind of um, that kind of formula. And yeah, they made it to the you know Western Conference Finals like two years ago. But that team was a lot deeper. They had you know Myers Leonard, 
um, Alfarik Aminu. They had, I mean, they had pieces on that team. And um, I mean, I think this year, this team doesn't look too much different. Nurkic, he's in and out. I mean, I was hoping he could come back, but he's out now with some knee inflammation. So that's, I mean, once you start having issues with your, you know, legs and stuff, that's, that's a whole nother can of worms to deal with. Um, and, you know, I'm sure McCall, there will be, I mean, there will be always someone on that team, I think, who will show up in games. And, you know, maybe Dame comes back and, you know, goes out on a run of a whole bunch of 40-point games. But considering, I think it's a little bit of the hardened thing, like where you have to put in so much work through game in and game out, you know, just to get your team to be, you know, one of the really competitive and then you go to the playoffs and here are, you know, you're getting double teamed again. And they're, you know, they're wanting Norman Powell to take the shot and they're wanting, you know, maybe CJ to take a couple of those shots instead of Dane. So um, I think, it, I definitely think that the trailblazers while having a pretty good season, it's kind of the Bucks thing where, and you, you know, he rockets of a couple of years ago where, you know, we pretty much see the ending of this story and it's going to, it's going to go pretty much like the last couple of years where, Dame will get he'll get double teamed and get worn out and he might win a playoff series against you know a team like a seven eight seed that just had to fight to get in but um, I don't think I don't see them going beyond the second round. Can we talk about the Raptors for a second? Yeah, because well, my favorite like weird like little like three team battle that was going on during the trade deadline was. Mm-hmm you know, Raptors, six, Raptors, Sixers, Heat, mm-hmm. like who would get Lowry? Like that was, that was the thing that I was kind of keeping an eye on. And uh, I actually think the Heat and the Sixers made the right move to just add Oladipo and add Hill mm-hmm. for basically nothing. Yeah. And for all the people that were like, Oladipo's not really like the same guy anymore. Like there weren't, they didn't add, they didn't give up the assets they gave up were not to get the Oladipo that we saw in the past. The assets that they gave up were to get an athletic role guy you can bring in who's going to, who can potentially knock down threes. You know, he can cut around Bam almost mm-hmm. in like the same way, not in the same way that like you can cut around Jokic, but like, you know, you can have all these guys moving and, you know, Bam's going to, Bam's going to find them and that offense is going to flow nicely. Like he just fits, he fits exactly like what, what they, what they need. So mm-hmm. even if you just get him and go, okay, we're adding just like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth guy on the team, like that's yeah. still like a brilliant move. And then you also get the the shot creator potential if Oladipo like can get back to normal form. And then Hill, like I will say, like watching the uh, watching the Sixers Celtics game the other night, even though it wasn't really close, and both teams weren't like fully healthy. But the one thing that the Sixers might have a problem with is that they just don't have any like perimeter creators, but yeah. they have all these guys that you can put out there like Danny green, Seth Curry. And now they have like George Hill too, where it's the balls like moving around and Simmons and beat are finding people. And they're so good at like making like the extra pass and stuff too, that they can just get these open threes. I think, I think they shot well from the other night. So I'm not even saying they're a bad three point shooting team. I'm just saying like, they don't have necessarily like creators from like three point lines. But as yeah. long as you can just, like, have these rotations of guys you can bring in that can just swing the ball and hit threes. Exactly. Like, that's still probably a pretty good deal. And you get that with George Hill. Like, you can just yeah. add him into the – you can just add him into the lineup. Yeah, right? George Hill is a solid player. I mean, you know, obviously he's 
biggest shot of his career, that free throw, you know, and it's not really his fault that it became that. But, you know, he's he's been a solid player. He's a decent guy, you know, come off your bench. You know, he won't really make dumb mistakes out here, you know, and he'll 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 be he'll make he'll make you pay if you leave him wide, wide open, but it's not like he's gonna, you know, start saucing up guys and um draining threes out of nowhere. Um no, I'm kinda out on the Raptors. They just are where you wanted to say something or I was about to Yeah, my I just my question to you leading leading into the Raptors after all that was do the should the Raptors have overpaid to try to get Tyler Hero? Like everything was, everything was. They wanted, they were, they wanted to get Lowry. Like they were just like willing to not take. I they did they didn't want to lose money to mm. get rid of Lowry. Like they wanted they wanted quote unquote like more value in return. I don't know if I'm explaining this super well. Yeah, no, it makes but sense. He's like the man's on an expiring contract. He's probably not going to resign, and even if he resigns, like you're not re-signing him to try to run back the title team. Like you're re-signing him as the veteran leader guy who's going to like keep all of these young guys like mm-hmm. in check and help them grow as players. But yeah. I don't think they really need that right now. Like if I was them, I would have tried to have done everything to get Tyler Hero from the heat. Like even if you have to give up like an ex- couple extra assets, bring in a third team to take some salaries. Like they – they traded a couple guys and got like a bunch of second round picks, like use those second round picks, send those salaries away to like other teams. But now they're just, they're going to lose Lowry for probably nothing. And Norman Powell, who we've said was a 20 point a game score. Like they basically just got him for Gary Trent Jr. He's like the nice role guy. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think if you, if you bring in the hero move and now you have hero, you have Siakam, you have OG, you have sort yeah. of like this young collection of players. And the hero piece I like. And then the other guys, like, if they're good, they're good. Otherwise, at least at worst off, like, Siakam's, like, a really good trade asset. And then you can bring in more pieces to build around hero. But that was my question to you. Do they have to overpay? Should they have overpaid to try to get a young guy like that? Hero's a good player, but I think, you know, the playoffs kind of had him overrated. Um, I mean, he he, he showed up. I'm not going to sit here and hate on him for that, but... I think that with Hero, you know, there was a big stretch during the season where he was one of the worst shooting guards considering his um, shot, you know, how many shots he was playing up, stuff like that. And I think right now, I think Miami kind of, you know, they kind of don't want to lose, you know, the point guard who showed up a lot in the playoff against um, against the Lakers, even when Goran Dragic and Bam were out. So, I mean, I think it was – it was. I don't think that um, – Toronto should have because I don't think they have a good team here. I mean, looking at their looking at their team, um, looking at people who are bringing in solid minutes on this team. I mean, they just they they have you know Henry Ellison is playing 19 minutes for this team. You know, Andrew Aaron Baines is like a and DeAndre Bembry is like a, almost 20 points and he almost 20 minutes for this team. Like, there's just too many guys who are you know. We've been known they're not that great. Stanley Johnson, 14 minutes. Um, you know, Wantanabe, I think, played. He just played, like, 35 minutes against the Wizards. And it shows. They just came off a 13-losing streak, 13-game losing streak. They beat two teams. You know, they beat the Wizards and the, the Warriors, which they blew out, you know, respect to them. They actually, you know, that was without Curry as well. Um, and, 
which is not that surprising. And then, you know, they got beaten by the Lakers. And I, I think the Raptors right now, yeah, Nick Nurse is doing the thing of, oh, I don't want to take, you know, we're, we're better than that, you know, heart of a champion, blah, blah, blah. This team needs just to blow it up. It's, I mean, Pascal Siakam, you know, we thought maybe, you know, there was a couple games early in the season where it's like, oh, 30 points a game, you know, maybe. And um, he didn't, I mean, he hasn't brought it. He hasn't shown it. And that dysfunction, I think that thing with, uh, Nick Nurse is deeper than the story goes. I mean, team, team players don't just, you know, uh, turn around and blow up at their coach for no reason, especially after, you know, after having such great chemistry for so long. I think there's real problems going on with the team right now. And I think that they have bad, bad players playing a lot of minutes for this team. Um, you know, yeah, DeAndre Bembry, he's playing 32 minutes. Malachi Flynn just played 33 minutes. You know, Stanley Johns, 26. And I mean, yeah, maybe I'm overflating how many minutes, how much minutes matter. But those are like actual rotational, you know, starters <laughs> in this team. And, and the, you just can't have that. Like, you know, and you, you have, um, you know, you have other, all these, all these issues with, you know, the team being, um, they're being angry with each other, having these issues. It's Lowry. I think Lowry might be injured, actually. So that might also hurt. But. I mean, they're one spot out of the playing tournament. So, you know, there are people all the time being like, maybe, you know, if they, they win one or two games, who knows? Kind of like, I think they're kind of like the Eagles in that way where, you know, they had one great run um, that, you know, a lot of people didn't see, you know, Philadelphia Eagles. And you're just making sure I'm clarifying, you know, with that run with Nick Foles, where they had that one great run. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, the Raptors had the superstar, but, they had the one great run. They got the Super Bowl, and now the team's just dysfunctional. There's just too many players who are, you know, they're they're having issues with each other. The coach, you know, he doesn't it doesn't seem too much like he knows too much of what he's doing. And you know, they also lost Terrence Davis, who I thought was a decent piece for them. They got rid of him as well. And I just think that the team right now they're about spent. Um, I think the centers they did more than. I think showed up in the box score, but I think because of how old they were getting that it was probably going to be like this anyway. I don't think if they have Ibaka or Gasol, it was going to be suddenly, you know, an, uh, a way better seed, but they could have been like maybe one or two spots above. But I think the Raptors just need to blow it up. It's, it's over with. You guys won your ring. You know, you're not, you know, you can't hate on Lowry now as all the bust potential. And I think Lowry should have been traded. They could have gotten some pieces, and now he'll be going off into the sunset. And um, it's, it's going to be a rough time for this team because, I mean, I love OG, but he's not a very good initiator. And, you know, Chris Boucher, you know, he's good in spots, but, you know, he's not a franchise player. And Pascal Siakam has shown that. You know he can he can put up points, but he's not he's not a transcendent player. You know he's a talented guy. You know maybe a second or third fiddle. Kind of reminds me of Chris Middleton. You know an older player who's you know started to show up. I mean Chris Middleton is a way better shooter, and I'd much rather have him out of the two. Which which is something to think of. Like it's kind of like if you put Chris Middleton on a team without and took away his shooting and was like, Hey, you're playing 41 minutes and you're going to be our, you know, you're going to be our guy. And we're starting to see the results and the bench is just horrible. I mean, I remember, 
was it, I think, you know, during the Crafter days, people were like, you know, Raptors bench might be better than their starting lineup. And now that's totally flipped as they kept losing pieces. So team spent, um, Nick Nurse, I mean, he seems like a coach who gets, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those where, you know, once you start losing, it doesn't, there isn't much way to get up. And I don't think anyone in that organization wants to be, you know, rebuilding, but that's, that's, that's what they got to do. Obviously, Tyler Hero is not like the end all be all for yeah. for young guys that you want to get. Like I love, mm-hmm. I love him. I think he's really good, and I don't even know if Miami is willing to part with him in general. And if the price was too high, obviously you don't want to be like, okay, let's yeah. give up Lowry and sacrifice our future to get Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what what the end goal for Lowry on the Raptors does for the Raptors. Exactly, I think. They have him and they have, they're in a position to flip him to get assets that can help them build for the future. Mm. And it might be Tyler Hero, even if it's like a nice collection of like a couple young guys and some picks. Like if they did Mm. some, you know, Duncan Robinson, Precious Achua, and whatever other assets they want to get, something along those lines. Obviously, I'd much rather have Hero. But even batting around a trade like that, like I just think you have Lowry. You're in a position where you can flip him to set your team up for the future. And you're just going to kind of let that like slide by. Like the Spurs just did this with DeRozan too, which was yeah. kind of disastrous. But like, like you can't, you're just going to let that guy slide by and leave. Like, I just don't think that that's a good way to deal, do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Lamarcus had any trade value whatsoever, but clearly none. Cause, yeah. Clearly none. Cause nobody wanted him. So yeah. But you just, you have these pieces, like you can't, I don't think you can just like let them go. Like, I think you need to be thinking in like the two to three year mindset with this kind of stuff, especially, mm-hmm. especially if you want to like try to build around Siakam or turn him into something like we never know. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like they're better, they're better off having the assets and going into the future than they are having Lowry and going into free agency and being like, do we, should we resign this guy? Mm-hmm. And then you just have this whole conversation again. Like I I think they're better off going the the route of the assets. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it, I mean the Raptors have been a team that I think that, you know, they're they kinda seem like a team that like thinks they're smarter than everyone, but you know, they're actually are imploding right now and they don't want to admit it. Um um there's still some other trade signing or trades. Um all depot to the heat. I mean I, if they get anything that would be nice, but I think it's kinda like Blake Griffin and Aldridge to the net. I mean, they'll they'll show up. They'll have moments, but I don't know if I'll expect too much. I mean, I'm not saying Oladipo's washed up or anything, but I think those injuries did pile up, and I don't know if he can go another level. But if he can, it'll be great because they kind of do need. I mean, Jimmy Butler did show up a lot, but you know he had that great triple double where they won that game, and the next game he didn't show up. So I mean, I think they do need they do need another you know, creator who's experienced, you know, he's had some playoff experience who will, he's willing to take that big shot, especially when Bam, you know, is, doesn't, is not really hitting his shots. And as a third fiddle, you know, third or fourth guy, I think Oladipo could fit in there. Um, we'll just have to see him healthy. Um, and, you know, I, I, there were some other good signings. Fournier, you know, he's, he's shown up once in a while on this bitch. He's made the Bulls an actual, you know, playoff guy, maybe a playoff team. So, um, did you have any thoughts on those um, on those trade guys? You want to hear my 
uh, four game overreaction to the to the Fournier thing. Oh, what's overreaction? I, I just I don't think he helps them against good teams. To be honest, like oh, yikes. One like he's only played four games and mm. uh, first two games against New. Let me see. They were against Houston Sharp or uh, yeah, New Orleans and Dallas. So like two mm. like like playoff level teams. Absolutely mm. terrible. He was over over five from three in the first game, over two for three in the second game. Like absolutely terrible. The next two games, Houston, Charlotte, he goes seven for eleven from three, four for five from three. So that's my like that's my simple looking at the box score, mm. keeping an eye on the game over reaction. But they played the Sixers the other night and he's not in the game and they still kind of have the same problem that they have before he got there, which is they basically have no depth. Yeah. And even even if you bring in Fournier, like good shooter, decent creator, like you know, okay on defense, it is what it is. Like he's not just like this missing piece that you bring in and then go, okay, this is the guy we needed to add on our bench. Now we're ready to compete with the Bucks and the Sixers and the Nets. I just don't think mm. he's that guy. I think he's a nice piece to have. But even if like they end up in a situation where like somebody's in foul trouble, somebody's missing games, like. You're still going into your bench and going, oh, wait, we still have to play Romeo Langford? Yeah. Like this. Or, or t- Taco. Taco minutes. Or Taco or Peyton Pritchard, you know, whoever you like. But, like, the big problem still exists that they just don't, they don't have guys to go to yeah. besides, like, their main group of guys. Like, this is now that now the problem's like 5% less of a big deal, but the problem is still there. So I don't know if he yeah. fixes as much for him. And Tristan Thompson was out the other night too, but like, even yeah. if he comes back, like, he's kind of been disappointing all season. So, even if he's playing less minutes because of Robert Williams, like, instead of disappointing for 28 minutes, he's going to disappoint for like 21. Like, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I just don't I don't I don't think he like I don't think you, you get 40 and then go, okay, let's go. Like, we're going to make our title run. I just yeah. I don't think that that's the move. Yeah, because he wasn't the issue. I mean, having good scoring off the bench always helps, especially in this league. But I don't think that scoring was necessarily – like, having another scorer definitely takes some 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 load off of Tatum and Brown, but not enough. And I think one word you mentioned is perfectly describes the Celtics this season. Disappointing. I mean, outside of Jalen Brown and Tatum being like, hey, we're leaving off to Cancun – like, this is pretty much the best record they could have or the worst record they could have for the amount of talent they have on that team, um, being pretty much 500. Like, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're always they're going to give you about 50 a night. And the rest of the team, you know, once in a while they show up and once in a while they won't. And it just it just keeps going throughout the season. Nothing much changes. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, advocate for physical harm. But, you know, I almost feel like Brad Stevens needs to take him aside and punch him in the face. Like, do something. <laughs> like, they're just, they're just like, it just seems like there's too many times where I see Kemba Walker, he'll throw this, like, he'll throw a pass and, he'll, you know, go out of bounds. And then he's there joking and they're down by 10. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm having fun out here. It's like, you know, there isn't, there is, you know, once in a while, you want to see some Mamba mentality. You want to see those guys get mad. And there isn't just enough of that. And, it's been it's been so annoying to see like it doesn't seem like this losing is hurting them you know and I I'm not I don't obviously mean physically but you know they, it doesn't seem like these guys are in pain they're not like and you know I'm not saying they don't care about their jobs but 
you know, to obviously be playing against the best guys in the world. I mean, and I think that's something that, you know, once in a while people forget, like these guys are uber talented. Like you're going to, you know, I'm not saying that Houston is going to give you a run for its money, but more often than not, you're playing against, you know, some of the best players in the world. You got to bring it. You got to bring it every night. And, you know, you can't just rely on your talent. You got to take it to another level and they're going to be knocked out in one of these rounds. It just feels like, it kind of feels like that Kyrie on the Celtics kind of run where they're, you know, they're just like, you know, dysfunctional. It isn't as dysfunctional as that year, but it's kind of the same result on the court where it's, it, they're just, they're just all disconnected. And it, it hurts because especially considering that, you know, I really like Tatum. I, I really like his game, but I just don't see, I just don't see that fire he had earlier in his career, you know, and he, I mean, he's not like a 10 year vet, but it, it just seems like this team, they just, they don't want it as much. And I think they need like a Draymond Green. They need someone like that to go in there and start yelling at them. Be like, you know, start shoving them around, start making them uncomfortable. Cause right now it seems like they're uncomfortable with being mediocre and it's, it's real annoying. It's tough to watch. Um, Draymond to the Celtic. That's a, that's a nice one. I, I haven't heard that one yet. That's a nice one. What would they, so what would they have had to have given up to get Draymond? Like Carson Edwards in a first or something. Yeah, if there's just like Edwards, Langford, whatever you need to make the salaries work in that. It's probably the salaries, honestly, that's why they could do yeah, it. Definitely. I think I think Draymond's got a pretty big figure, but like Yeah. And I will say, like, I'm not knocking the Fournier signing or the trade. Like I they didn't give up mm-hmm. any really anything to get him. So it's a good trade. Mm-hmm. But it's not the trade that makes you a right, contender or solves problems. Yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't really like like help the big problems with the team. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's like a little like nice little fix, but it doesn't help. It does. You're right. It doesn't help the big problems with the team. Yeah, they still the problems with yeah, just all the problems that they have are kind of, kind of <laughs> still there. Yeah. Um. So can um, I uh, can I rant about can I rant about the 49ers before we have to go? Oh, okay. All right. Because you know you know I have some thoughts about uh. The, the situation my guy Jimmy G is in. Mm-hmm. Their guy. I uh, I don't know if you know this, but they they made a big trade. Mm-hmm. They gave up. Uh, they they moved to three. They obviously mm-hmm. gave up their twelve pick, but and they gave up two future picks. Exactly. After the college football playoff, this is after Alabama won. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I told you that a team was going to give up two first round picks to move into the top three to take Mac Jones, would you have believed me? No. Yeah, I wouldn't have believed you either. It's honestly insane. If they, if they make the trade, I, uh, I texted you right when, after the trade happened, was like, this is, yeah. this is obviously a quarterback. And I assumed it was field because, one, it's a quarterback because the dead money on Jimmy D's contract just goes yeah. like, way down after the season. Like, it's like, Two million and then like one million. So exactly. he's basically a non-factor. They can just release him and move on. <laughs> and if, yeah, if the move was Fields, honestly, like and honestly, just release him. Like the Colts, we're right there. We're ready to go. Uh, like, we'll find him. Hey, don't but, be uh, don't be jumping ship on. Come on, stay on the Wentz back back bandwagon. <laughs> Come on, they give him a chance. But uh, if the move was for Fields, I think I would like it. But since it's for Mac Jones, like, I don't understand how Mac Jones is an upgrade over Garoppolo. I don't understand what he does, what he does, like, that's exponentially better 
that's yeah. going to make you give up these two first round picks. And I, you know, teams are just throwing away first round picks now. Like exactly. it is what it is, but I don't, I don't understand what the upgrade is there. What am, what am I missing? Nothing. Uh, I think Matt Jones at best is a late first round QB. And that's if you really need a QB. Um, I don't understand why the Justin Field take. I mean, we could get into, you know, the racial stereotypes, you know, black quarterback, big guy, kind of out of, out of Ohio State, kind of Haskins thing. The thing is, is Haskins didn't have a great game against Clemson. You know, he didn't, he didn't win this, uh, almost um, take his team to the national championship. And I think that that is something that, you know, people are discounting and, I, I think that Fields, he's going he's gonna to prove them wrong. Um, I haven't seen too much of a miss rate with quarterbacks who have taken their teams to the Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl, National Championship. So I understand the love for Mac Jones. But even in that game, like, people weren't putting up, you know, highlights of being like, oh, Mac Jones going off right now. No, it was Devontae Smith going crazy, you know, Heisman winner. And, Mac Jones is the one passing the ball to him. Like, he's kind of the only, most of the reason why he gets the ball. It's just, you know, Devontae Smith is just that crazy. So, I think when you have something like that, like where, you know, technically Mac Jones did have better stats than Devontae Smith because, you know, he actually played the second half, which, you know, he was injured and stuff. But I think that, that you know, when you see all that and you, you still pick Mac Jones – I think that has deeper issues. Um, and, I mean, if, if Kyle Shanahan wants to go out and take his team off a cliff again with, you know, a bad quarterback, you know, that, that's his decision. I just highly disagree. Um, and, I mean, with Field, I could understand some of the accuracy issues, things like that. But, you know, I think he just is the better quarterback. He had, he had less wet options. You know, he, he did carry his team. He got literally railed, like – you know, during the, during the semifinal and still went off. And, um, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll prove teams wrong. It's, I, I don't agree with it, but you know, it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been, haven't been paying too much of the stuff with the draft. Um, just hoping that we sign all O-linemen out there, any free O-linemen. I mean, if you guys want to throw some our way, I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know. Mahomes for Quentin Nelson. Who knows? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> Oh, who said no? But, Careful who you're asking about there. That's a that's there's a heavy price on that man. If you want him, uh, I don't well, know if Mahomes would get it done. To be honest, you might have to pack it. Uh, we'll have to see. But and we still signed signed Mike Rummers, which makes me mad. Um, but wait, here's I just have two more things yeah. on the on the Mac Jones things real quick. Mm-hmm. One again, I don't know. I don't really know what he does better as a football player than Garoppolo does, except for like, I think Mac Jones is like best trait coming in is that he's just like really good at moving in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of knows where to step, but like exactly. that's not really like a thing that any of the best quarterbacks in the league do anymore. The only guy that's really still doing it at a high level is, uh, or that's done it for his whole career at a high level is Brady. Mm. And yeah, it's true. Brady, obviously. Yeah, you know it is what it is. But like the rest of the guys, like Mahomes, Watson, Allen, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. like these aren't just like pocket. These aren't just like pocket moving type guys. Even like Tua, Herbert, you know, Trevor. Even like Trevor Lawrence, like coming in. These aren't exactly. just like these aren't guys that are just like 
like stepping around in the pocket, like moving mm. up, moving to the side. Like these are guys that can like get out and like, like run and like create on the throw and stuff. He just like can't do any of that stuff, which is Garoppolo can't really do any of that stuff. And I don't think Mac Jones can make any throws that Garoppolo yeah. can't make necessarily. Like, I still think he, you bring him in, you bring him in to run the Shanahan offense. Like you don't mm-hmm. bring him in and then Shanahan goes, Oh wow, I have this incredible piece. Like, how do I figure out how to use it? Like, Mac Jones is just the guy. He's just the guy on the play chart that's like, you know, pitching the ball to IU as he comes around on the jet sweep and stuff. Like, he's still, he's still the, you, you know, you're not bringing him to do it, do anything special. And uh, you know, we're we're big fans of like team building on this podcast. So mm-hmm. I just don't think that this is a good like team building move because, yeah, one they don't. They don't really need Mac Jones to play this year too because of Garoppolo's contract. Yeah. So you, even if Garoppolo plays, now you've screwed him out of this like, like first round draft pick, which could be really helpful. Like even if they just stay stay at twelve, mm-hmm. and they get one of these like corners that fall down to them, like Sertan or something, or they end up with like Micah Parsons or exactly. you know somebody like that, or maybe like like Devonte Smith slides down a little bit, they can snag him at twelve. Oh, that'd be like good. they just. They have all these. They have all these options, but now you don't get that player. Or like, even if they trade up to three and then like just go with Pitts and like we're mm-hmm. going all in on the offense this year. Like, you just totally lose that piece from the team this year, mm-hmm. and then you lose. So then you bring in Mac Jones, who we don't really think is like a big upgrade from Garoppolo, and then you don't have your first round picks for the next two years. Yeah. So in theory, you're just not going to get better for three years. And you just have no more pieces to add. I just don't. I don't think it's a good move. I think Garoppolo should get out. I think he should come to the Colts. <laughs> I mean, they might surprise everyone and take Fields. They might pick someone else. So we'll see. I mean, especially with all the Zach Wilson love, who knows? If Fields is on the board, I think they might they might wise up and take him. But um, yeah, no, I, I I don't I don't I don't understand why anyone would pick Mac Jones that early. But you know, if you know, they obviously know way more football than me. I just, just disagree. I don't think though that's a smart move. So, um, I mean, do you, have do you any think if or... it's uh, if 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 they have to give up, if they trade up and just take Pitts, do you think that that trade is worth it? Like sacrificing the two first round picks in the future to snag this potentially like generational pass catching tight end and just put him right next to Kittle. Like now you just have these these two pieces at tight end, but you can also kind of do whatever you want with them anyways. Because Shanahan's such a genius. Like if that's the trade, like would you be okay with that trade? Uh, no, I don't, the three I don't first round picks for Kyle Pitts. I think one thing. Yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough one. They gave up a lot. Yeah, I think they're they're a top ten pick. I'm pretty pick. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, no, they would have gotten him. I don't. I don't think they they should trade up for Pitts, but. Um, I uh, do need to go pretty soon. So, um, I think we might end it here though. Um, shout out to my Hawks I'm popping off right now. Um, can't wait for that playoff run, but that's about, that's about it for today. Uh, do you have any last shout outs there? Uh, um, check out the website, obviously. Check out the website, check out, uh, Samson's, uh, wrote a piece on Jalen Suggs. If you haven't read it yet already, I don't, you must have not been on the internet because I think it was being passed around by everybody. I think everybody saw it. So yeah. check out spot.media. Look at the Jalen Suggs piece. 
Mm-hmm. Shout out to Hunter Dickinson. Come back. Come back to Michigan after uh, after an awesome freshman year. There you Can go. Can we say uh, shout out to uh, media free agent Paul Pierce? <laughs> come on the pod, man. Like uh, I know, right? Yeah, come explain. Come explain what happened. You're welcome here. This is a platform. We give everybody a voice. You know, if you just want to come and just air some stuff out, tell us what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little, talk a little crap about ESPN if you want to. Like, there we go. Just come, story. The invite's out there. The in, just, just know the invite's out there. You can come there on whenever you want. Yeah. Anytime, Paul Pierce. The truth. I'm a, I've been a Jayhawks fan, so would love for you to come on, man. All right. I think that should be about it. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for more content because it'll definitely be put up there on Spop.media.